Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and brings impact to your life. Enjoy the message. Amen. While you're still standing, grab your Bibles and go with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. And I want to read verse 1. I just want to read one verse of Scripture. Hebrews chapter 2, verse number 1. One and only verse I want to read. The Bible says, We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning, drifting away drifting away. The Lord bless you today. You may be seated. God bless you. How many of you have ever, um, let's get the music going. How many of you have ever received some bad advice before? (laughs) How many of you have given bad advice? (laughs) Probably probably a lot of us. Uh, Recently, I was reading through uh, some some tweets on uh, Twitter on some bad advice that fathers were giving their children who had just got their license. And one father told his daughter, he said, when you're driving, you want to make sure to weave to the left and to the right so all the other vehicles stay away from you. (laughs) Although true, that's a good way to get a ticket. (laughs) Another one, one girl said, my dad told me not to put my blinkers on because it was nobody's business where I was going. I'd like to know how many children that guy had because I see that a lot. A lot. That action is all over the roadways. Hey, blinkers are not just an option, folks. All right. I need to know (laughs) which way are you going? (laughs) Uh, Some bad advice. We've received some bad advice. We've given some bad advice. Uh, And this morning, I'm going to share some bad advice uh, with you. I'm going to give you some bad advice this morning. And Parts of this message, I may come across a little sarcastic, and I don't need, mean to be snide or rude or anything like that, but I'm hoping today that, that if, if, if I'm giving you some bad advice, I'm hoping that you'll, that you'll see it and that you'll hear it clearly and that you'll understand and maybe come to the, to the thought that, oh my goodness, maybe I've been following some bad advice for a long time. Is that okay? Then hopefully uh, you'll see it for what it is, and then my hope and prayer is that you turn and look to good and godly advice from the Word of God, which is where I want to turn to. Amen? Amen. I want to start with a question. Don't answer it yet, but I I I want to set it up, and then I'm going to ask it again. Just an introductory question. 
what, and here's the question. I wonder how many of you at one point in your life were actually closer to God than you are today. Don't answer it. But how many of you were closer to God at one point than you are today? Think about it this way. Was there ever a time in your life, maybe years ago, when you were more passionate about God's word, that, that you would faithfully study his word, where you were of that, I, I want to get to church early. I want to be on the front row. I, I, I'm, I'm waiting. I can't wait for worship. I'm excited. I'm leaning in and I'm expecting to hear from God. I'm expecting to hear something great. And I'm, I'm so passionate that I'm bringing people to church with me. How many of you would say, honestly, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but how many of you would say, honestly, that you maybe had a passion like that, but somehow over time, life kind of happened. Life got in the way and you, it cooled off your passion, so to speak for Jesus. How many of you would say, yeah, honestly, Bryce, there was a, there was a probably a time in my life when I was more full of passion for God than I am today. I like the story of that happens in a couple's marriage years ago. There was a couple who uh, they would always sit side by side in the truck and uh, going down the road, and the husband would drive, and the wife would sit right to his right, and he would put his arm around her as they were going down the road. They would cuddle as they were driving down the road, and, and, and well, 20 years, fast forward 20 years or so, and the wife was actually sitting now on the passenger side, at, and, and the husband was still driving the truck, and the wife said, babe, what, what happened to us? Remember, I used to, way back in the day, I used to sit beside you and we would cuddle as you were driving the truck. What happened to us? And the husband smiled and playfully said, well, sweetheart, I wasn't the one who moved. <laughs> oh... If there was a time in your life that, that you were closer to the presence and the person of God than you are today, may I suggest that God isn't the one who moved? May I suggest that it was us who moved? I want to speak to you today about drifting away and specifically how to drift away from God. How do we do this? And I'm going to give you some advice on how this can be accomplished. It's going to be some bad advice. You're like, I'm going to come to church and hear some bad advice. So is it going to be, it's going to be bad advice. Because I want to talk to you about drifting away because I feel like we're at a, a point in, in, in our history where it is vital that we stay as close to God as we possibly can. I want to start with a parable from Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter 13. Jesus essentially was talking about a sower throwing out seed, hoping for a harvest. And Jesus said there was a sower who cast some seed out and some fell along a path and the birds came along and ate it and the seed was gone and disappeared. And he said the sower threw some out on some rocky places and because there wasn't a lot of soil, 
the roots couldn't really grab a hold. And so when it tried to spring up very quickly, the sun scorched it and, and, and it died. And then he said some fell among the thorns. And when the, the little plants tried to grow, the thorns actually choked out the plants and there was no fruit. Then he said, the sower threw some and it fell upon good soil. And Jesus said, when it did that, it brought a 30-fold, a 60-fold, and even a 100-fold harvest. Jesus was essentially going to say to his listeners, you are actually one of those different types of soils. I would challenge us today maybe to ask ourselves, which type do you think I might be? Which type do you think? So let's look at the application in Matthew 13, verse 19. Jesus talked about what this means to those who were along the path. Verse 19, Jesus said, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not what? Does not understand it. He said the evil one, that's Satan, comes along and does what? Snatches away that which was sown in their hearts. This is the seed that was sown along the path. In fact, if I could be quite honest with you, that is what will happen to some today. Right here in the sanctuary, God's word will go forth. The seed will be sown towards you, and when you hear it, when you hear it with uh, an attitude or a mindset of, uh, ah, that doesn't really make much sense. Uh, why wasn't he funny today? Uh, why, there were no cat jokes. What's, what's up? There was, I, you know, what's up with that? I don't like his shoes today. Uh, I'm not really fond of his tie today. Oh, the music was too loud today. Right here in this sanctuary, if that happens, you'll go away completely as you came in. You'll walk away completely as you came in. Then he talks about the rocky ground. Verse 20, Jesus said, Then the seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word at once and does what? It wants to receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they only last for how long? Just a short time, for a little while. Because when trouble or persecution comes because of, the, because of the word, what happens to them? They quickly fall away. Quite honestly, that will be some today. There will be those who are going to hear this with joy and say, yes, you're right. I, I want to be closer to God. You're like the wife who's scooting back over towards the husband a little bit, a little bit closer. You're scooting back a little bit closer to God. I feel it, Bryce. I'm going to be in the altar today. I'm going to start serving. I'm going to start reading my Bible. I'm going to start praying. I'm going to get close to God again for a little while. And then, boom, one day, something's going to happen. You're, you're going to get a bad report. Someone's going to make fun of you. Somebody's going to say something. Oh, you're getting, you're getting too religious on us, Mr. Religious, Mrs. Religious. Something's, something's going to happen, and you're going to be like, I didn't, I didn't see that coming. I didn't see that coming. And instead of living with that passion, there will be those that fall away. 
Jesus said that's what happens when there's seeds sown along the rocky ground. Then in verse 22, he says, there's some seed that falls among the thorns. And this refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth, what does it do? It chokes out the word, making it unfruitful. The worries of life, guess what? This will be some people today also. And one thing I want to point out, this isn't bad people. This is good people. This is good people. You might be sitting next to someone or you might be that person. This is someone who really wants to get it right. They have a heart that they want to do right. But what happens? We get preoccupied with life. You know, I'm a student, Bryce, and I've got to work so I don't accumulate so much debt, and I've got to go here, and I got, or you, you might be newly married, or you might be, you know, married for a while, and, and we're trying to get this figured out, and they squeeze the toothpaste bottle wrong, and they don't put their ketchup in the fridge. Who does that? I don't really know and understand, but all of a sudden, what the, the now, you know, you move through life. Now we have a baby coming and we've got our firstborn and now we got a minivan and I swore I'd never drive one of those things. And, and now all of a sudden you look around and there's Cheerios that are just spread everywhere and there's this sticky substance on the seat that you don't even know what it is and you're afraid to even touch it or go near it. And now you got a yard to, to tend to and you got a mortgage to pay for and you got credit card bills and now two kids and another stroller. Life just kind of happens. It kind of happens to you, and you don't mean to, but you just get busy. And the worries of this life, you know what they do? The Bible says, Jesus said, they choke out the word of God. Verse 23, Jesus says, but the seed that falls on what kind of soil? Good soil. And I would like to say today, I believe that there are so many of you here right now that your heart is good soil. And that I believe that God has been working on you, preparing you for this moment when his word lands in your heart that you will see a divine harvest. But the seed that falls on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 30, 60, 100 times what was sown. Now, whenever Jesus said this, people looked at him like what? Like, no way. No way, because you got to remember, he lived in this agricultural economy this the, the, where essentially everyone would know if you get an eightfold or a tenfold return on your scene, whoa. We're excited. 30-fold, unheard of. 60-fold is a miracle, and 100-fold, only God could do that. But when the word of God is planted in your heart and it lands in good soil, that and uh, good soil, the fruit that God can bring, hear me right now, can only go uh, beyond and above your ability to imagine, comprehend, or even dream possible. That's what happens when the seed falls on good soil. That's what happens when the seed falls on good ground. But 
we have to be careful because there are so many of us who said there was a time when I was closer to God than I am today. There was a time when I was closer to God, but I drifted away. Years ago, we went on a trip to Florida. First time ever seeing the ocean. Ah, oh, it's unbelievable to stand with your feet in the sand and looking out. It's, it's quite, you feel, you talk about feeling small. That it was unbelievable, an unbelievable feeling looking out. And uh, I, didn't really un- I didn't really know about the, the power of the tide and the power of the water and all that there entails. And I remember getting out on this little tube, and I was like, I'm just going to just kind of float in the water, and I'm just like looking up at the sun, and uh, I'm like, this is just amazing. I'm getting sunburnt through my eyeballs, and uh, I, didn't, I didn't know about sunscreen. I, I grew up in southern Illinois. Southern Illinois, and and yeah, I think I got sunburned once when I was eight, and then torched my skin permanently, and then I was just grew up with a tan. I never got sunburned, and then I go to Florida, and everybody's like, the sun's different down here. Amen. It is different down there. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. And uh, so I was just just out there drifting in the water, drifting in the water, and uh, looking up and just admiring everything, only to look down and look back to the shore and realize. Where is the beach house? Where is my family? Where is everything else? Like I had just slowly drifted out and down the beachfront. (laughs) Pretty scary, especially for a, a, a boy like me at that time, just first time ever being out there. I'm like, here I am lost at sea. And, uh, no, I didn't really get that far. (laughs) I didn't really get that far, but I had, I had drifted away unknowingly, unknowingly, just enjoying the beach, just enjoying the sun, just enjoying the water, and didn't even recognize what happened. I drifted away. Could I say to you this morning that there are many that don't even recognize how far we've drifted from the strength and the presence, and the goodness, and the grace of God. Some of us don't realize it. Hebrews 2 and 1, our text this morning says that we must do what? Pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. Here's what I want. I want to give you some bad advice. Are you ready for this bad advice? Is everybody okay? Is everybody buckled in? All right. Here's a, if, if you were that person, you woke up and you were just, I'm sick and tired of the presence of God. I'm sick and tired of all the blessings of God. I'm sick and tired of this way of life. I just can't take it anymore. This joy that I have is so abundant that it's just wearing me down. If you're, if you're of that nature, I'm going to help you. I'm going to tell you how you can drift away from all of that. Number one is neglect your time with God. Just neglect it. If you want to drift from God, neglect your time with God. Psalm 63, verse 1, David was in the desert of Judah, and he cried out, You, God, are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Here's some bad advice for you. Don't do that. 
Don't seek God. Don't yearn for him. Don't crave his presence. Don't, because that'll only make you want to get close to him. That'll only make you want him more. Neglect your time with God. Don't read your Bible. Don't, because the word of God is living and active and sharper than any double-edged sword. It washes your mind and it makes you new. It speaks to you and it encourages you. It builds your faith. It gives you strength. So don't read it. Don't read it. And for goodness sake, don't worship. Listen, if you go to a church, just don't worship. Just don't let it get in your heart. Just don't think about the, don't think about the words. Don't think about how the music's too loud today. Think about just just turn around, come in late if you can. That's the best thing to do. Or better yet, don't even come at all. If you can make it, if you can make it not work and just come up with an excuse not to be at the church, just do that. If you can help it, just don't come. It'll be even better. Do like most Americans in a recent poll. Most Americans, Christians, say they go to church one time a month. Be that kind of Christian. It's all gonna do is how to drift away from God. Neglect your time with God. And, and don't get involved. Don't use your gifts. Don't pray. Don't seek God. Don't ever discipline yourself to fast. The best you know how, ignore God and neglect your time. That's the first thing we can do. The second thing that you want to do if you truly want to drift from God is this. I encourage you to hang around the wrong people. It is eerily quiet in here, and I'm... I'm it's hoping that God is just doing some deep digging on us, all right? It's hard being this sarcastic, trying to get my point across. Hang around the wrong people. Why? Because it's impossible to live the right life when you have the wrong friends. 1 Corinthians 15 says, it's so powerful. Do not be misled. What does bad company do? Bad company corrupts good character. You need to remember that. Don't hang around people who are faithful in their walk with Jesus. Don't do that. If you want to drift, don't hang around people who are on fire for God. You know why? Because they'll do stuff like encourage you. They'll do stuff like pray for you. They'll encourage you in the Lord, all that annoying stuff like that. Don't do that. Don't get around. They might hold you accountable as iron sharpened iron. They might pray for you. Don't be around people who make you better and make you more like Christ. Don't do it. If you really want to drift away from God, hang around the wrong people. This is so good. I came and I believe you guys aren't cheering away this morning. This is solid. Number three, if you really want to drift from God, number three, give in to temptation. Not just once, do it over and over and over again. Never resist temptation. Why? Because sin is so much fun. It is so fun. How many of you agree sin is fun? Some of you aren't doing it right because sin can be fun. All right, we're alive. We got the juices flowing today. All right, that's good. It can be fun for a season, for a little while. Amen. 
You want to drift from God? Just give in to the temptation. In fact, this is what James said, the brother of Jesus, James 1, 14, 15, said this. So exciting. But each person is tempted when they're what? When they're, I like the uh, NIV version, when they're dragged away. Don't you love that imagery? Just imagine this. You're serving God. You're serving him. But now you're tempted and you're dragged away by the evil one. You're dragged away by temptation. The desire, after the desire, the scripture goes on, then after you're being dragged away by their own desire and enticed, and after desire is conceived, what does it do? This is so fun. It gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, what does it do? It gives birth to death. Isn't that the goal? Isn't that what we want? Isn't that what we're shooting for? Spiritual death? That's what we're looking for. We want to drift away. We want to die spiritually where there's no passion, where there's no life, where there's no faith, that that there's spiritual death. Isn't that the goal? So when you're tempted, don't fight it. Don't resist it. Just give in to it. Tell yourself, well, this is just the way I am, and I can't overcome this. And if you have to bring, if you have to bring God into the whole thing, if you got to bring God into it, just ask him to forgive you and to just keep on doing what you're doing. Just to keep on doing what you're doing. He'll understand. Just keep on doing. Above all else, if you want to drift from God, hide your sins. Rationalize them. Don't tell anyone about it. Don't talk to God about it. If you want to drift from God given the temptation. Neglect your time with God. Hang around the wrong people. Give in to temptation. And then lastly, if you want to drift from God, love this world more than you love God. Love this world more than you love God. John said this in 1 John 2 and 15, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, what did he say? The love of the Father is not in him. That's why, that's why you want to fall in love with this world. That's why you want to believe this world is your home. That's why you want to sell out to materialism and obsess about things that don't really matter in the grand scheme of things. That's why you want to follow people on social media that, that make you hate your life and you just look at them and go, they've got it made. I hate them. I hate my life. My life is terrible. They've got exciting lives. Mine is horrible. I want more of this world. How do you drift from God? You love and pursue the things of this world more than you love and pursue the things of God. One more thing. If all else fails, just fake it. You heard that cliche? Fake it till you make it. If all else fails, just fake it. Just fake that you're still close to God. Just fake it. And that is a guarantee way to make it not work. I love Isaiah 29 and 13 when the Lord says this, these people come near to me with their mouth and they honor me with their lips, but don't miss, don't miss this, but where is their heart? The Lord says, but their heart is far from me. That's exactly what you want. 
if you are drifting from God. You don't have to be incredibly immoral. You can just fake it. You can fool everybody. Just learn to fake it. Now, that was really hard to be that sarcastic for that amount of time in the middle of a message. (laughs) That was difficult. But I hope that you'll see the effectiveness in what I just did, that when we talk about what we often do in terms like that, it becomes incredibly obvious that many are following bad advice. Many are following bad advice. There are many that have gone into their walk with God. There are many that have gone into quote-unquote relationship with God, or I'll put it this way, ministry, and they want to be they want to be a minister, and they want to be called into full-time ministry, and I want to be able to help somebody. But what happens is they get called into full-time ministry and a part-time follower of Christ. We're full-time busy, and we're a part-time follower. We're full-time in action, and we're a part-time at praying. I don't know what your image would be, but that's the image that I get in my head when I think about people that are drifting and and going back to all of the seeds that were being sown and and all of those things. And I I feel like there are a lot of people that maybe it's not ministry, but maybe there are full-time parents and part-time followers of Christ. Full-time students and part-time follower of Christ. I'm a full-time business owner, part-time follower of Christ of Christ. Because when you when you look at it, if there was a time before that you were closer to Jesus than you are today, what happened? We need to recognize that he never moved. We need to recognize that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not moved 1 inch. Now, if you're sitting here today and you're feeling what Bible, what Bible scholars would, would, would call conviction right now, if you're feeling that, can I just suggest to you that that is a great thing? Can I suggest that if you're sitting here thinking, oh, he's speaking to me, I'm recognizing that this is really me. If that's happening, let me just tell you, that's a good thing. Why? Because your heart is good soil. That means that as the the word is going out, I believe the Holy Ghost is speaking to you today. Don't worry if that's you. Just be encouraged today. If, on the other hand, you, 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 you know you've drifted from God and you're hearing this and you're thinking, I don't don't really like this one today. Uh, Wish he'd be a little bit more funny. I wish he'd talk about something else. Like, why am I, why did I pick this Sunday? If you know you drifted from God and that's your mindset, that's when you need to be really cautious. That's when you really need to be aware and pay attention because your heart, the soil, might be rocky 
ground or thorny. And what we want to do is before God, go before God and say, God, make it good. Make it, make it good. Make it good soil. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 1, Jesus was talking to the church in Sardis, and here's what he said. He said, I know your deeds. And what was it? What do they have? What do you, what do you have? He said, you have, a, you have a what? You have a reputation of being alive. In other words, we all think as we look on at you, we all think that you're alive. You look alive. You have a reputation of being alive. There, we do that. And I mean, yeah, I think she's a Christian. I think he's a follower. Yeah, they're a member of such and such church down the road. And they got baptized when they were a kid. And their parents are a minister. And they're connected to that person. And I seen them at a rally. And there's such and such denomination. You have a reputation for this. But Jesus said, where are you? He said, you are dead. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. And the scary thing to me is that there are some that have a reputation for being a Jesus follower. Why? Because at one time they were really, really, really passionate about pursuing him. But if they are really, really honest right now, some would say, I'm actually more spiritually dead on the inside. Maybe I'm not dead, but I'm just not passionate anymore. They have a reputation for being alive, but the fact is they're not. So what do we do? What, what, do we, what do we do when we recognize that this could be an issue for us? I love what Jesus said in Revelation chapter 2 about returning to your first love. Some very strong words that he said to the church in Ephesus. He said to them, you have forsaken the love that you had at first. In other words, there was a time that you were more passionate. There was a time that you had such zeal and a love for God. And you had for, for you right now, you've forsaken that love. Then he said this, consider how far you've fallen. Maybe that's what some of us need to do. Consider where you were and consider where you are and consider how far you've drifted away. Consider it. Look at it. Be honest. And Jesus said this. You repent and do the things that you did at first. What do you do? You repent and you do that which you did at first. What does repent mean? Well, re means to turn. Pent means to go back to the highest. Turn and go back to, what does it mean? That, that it means wherever I'm going, I'm turning away, and I'm going back to that which is highest. I'm turning, not just turning, but I'm turning and going back to God, and I'm going to do what I did at first. I don't know what that means for you. 
I don't know what you did at first. You know what I did at first? I was passionate about God and his word. I shared my faith everywhere with everyone. Church was never an option for me. It's who I was and where I belong and what I do and using my gifts. And and that was all just in there. And it wasn't a religious ritual. It wasn't a a have to, I've got to. uh, Well, I better because somebody's watching. No, it was my response to the grace and mercy of Jesus who when he found me when I was lost, dead and hurting, and my only response was Jesus, take all of me. Have all of me. Everything that I have, I want to know you. I want to pursue you. I want to pursue you first and above everything else. Nothing less in my life but serving you with all my heart. What do you do? if you recognize that you've drifted from God. You cry a little bit. You feel it. You hope, I hope you feel it. You crave something more, something better, deep from the depths of your soul. Don't sell out to things of this world. Don't be held in bondage to the temptation. Don't be dragged down by the wrong people. Be a light, church. Be a light that drives people closer to God. Don't neglect your time with God. That's precious time. Put him first. Love his church. Love this body. Be filled with his spirit. Be led every day, step by step, and let your life glorify the one who gave his life for you. What do you do when you wake up and you realize that you've drifted? You recognize that God never drifted. You recognize that God never moved. Because when you draw near to him, he always draws near to you. I'm asking our music to come. and Notice a little bit different type of Sunday school lesson. But drifting is a scary thing to me. Because it's not something that happens overnight. It's not necessarily something that happens in a week or a month. It's, it's little by little over time. And so we need to recognize this morning that God never moved. Psalms 119 it's the, uh, it's the longest chapter in the Bible. Anybody know how many verses are in Psalms 119? How many think it's less than 100? How many think it's more than 100? How many think it's more than 150? 176 verses. Not a chapter that you would pick to read right before going to bed uh, (laughs) because you might be up for a little while. It it, it has, and I'm going to put it up on the screen here in just a second, but it has the strangest ending. No one knows who wrote Psalms 119. In fact, truth be told that 
A lot of the Psalms, the experts only guess at who wrote it. We, we know that David wrote a whole bunch. He was the psalmist in Israel, wrote Psalms 23. But the inscriptions that we read in our Bible that are below the psalm, th- those are not inspired. It's the psalm that's inspired by God. And most experts believe that David did not write Psalms 119. And every single verse in the psalm, has some reference just about to the command of God, to the word of God, the law of God. Some reference his precepts. There's a reference in every single one. It refers back to something God has already given. No one knows who wrote it, and whoever wrote it was inspired by God. And a lot of us, you know, some of those precious verses that are found in, the, in Psalms 119. Thy word have I hid in my, that I might not sin against. But what a strange ending. This man has been inspired to write 175 verses. And they are like little sermons, each one of them. And then he ends it on this note right here, Brother Cody. I have strayed away like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I have not forgotten your commands. Seek your servant, for I have not forgotten your commands. There's a reference to the word of God. I have strayed away. I have strayed like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I have not forgotten your commands. Stop thinking, really? You wrote 175 verses of Scripture that were inspired by God. You're a man of God. You've been separated by God. And this is how you end it? I have strayed away like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I have not forgotten your command. This verse has three parts to it. If you would stand with me this morning. This verse has three parts to it. One, I have strayed away like a lost sheep. That's fact. This is a confession. Two, it's a prayer. It's a cry. Seek your servant. Then a reason why... He wants the Lord to seek him, for I have not forgotten your command. Now, I'm not an animal person, but growing up, we had a lot of dogs. We had a lot of dogs. And uh, I owned a dog one time when I was 18 for, I think it was less than 24 hours. I ended up giving it away because I was like, this is a lot of work. Um, I know you had to clip their toenails and all that stuff and take them outside. Um, 
but we had a lot of dogs growing up. And I remember one specifically, whenever we lived over in Peneyville, we gave this dog away and uh, we gave it to a family that I want to say was Coulterville or Cutler. And we lived on the South side of Peneyville and we gave this dog away. And I remember three to four days later, this dog shows back up in our front yard. This dog made it all the way from Cutler or Colville. No matter which way he slides, it's probably the same amount of miles. Now, I don't know if he took the highway, 154. I don't know which way. If he came through the woods, I have no idea. But this dog made it back. The dog found his way back. Somehow, he found his way back to my house. You know, sheep aren't that way. You know what sheep are good at? Getting lost. Sheep are real good at getting lost. They can't find their way back. Did you notice what it says here? The scripture says, it says this, seek your servant. You see that word seek? It's the same word that's used in the scripture. He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek. In other words, it's a a word for prayer and going after something. Seek. Like when we say, hey, come on out on Wednesday night Bible study, we're going to seek God. It's the same word. We are going after something. But now the psalmist is saying, God, I've gone astray, but I can't get back. God, I'm a mess. I'm in a ditch. I'm, I'm in something, and I can't get back on my own. See, it's not just as simple as, uh, you know, well, we're, we're, you know, we're, we just got to get back. We got to get back home now. No, 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 no. He said, Lord, seek your servant. I'm, I, I am your servant, but I'm a lost servant right now. I am your servant, but I remember your commands, but I've wandered so far in my heart. Would you seek me? Would you seek me? Would you come after me? Would you come get my heart and hold it? Would you come and make it soft again? Would you shine light into my heart again? Would you draw me with your kindness back to you because I can't get back? I've strayed like a lost sheep. I know where I am. I've strayed, and I know that I'm weak, but I do remember your commands. My conscience is still open and operating. I have not forgotten them, but remembering what's right and wrong doesn't help me out right now. I need you to help me out right now. I've, I've drifted away. I've strayed like a lost sheep, and oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm thankful this morning, church, for the good shepherd. You know how many times he's brought me back? You know how many times he's brought this lost sheep back? Am I the only one that has that testimony of I was lost, but he came and found me? Seek me, Lord. 
That's what we need to whisper today. Seek me. Seek me, Lord. I've, I've wandered. Seek me. Do you notice in the story in the Bible when he went to get the lost sheep, the Bible says there were 100 sheep, and now 99 were there, and they counted them. But when they counted them, one was missing. And so did the shepherd say, hey, 99 is still a good amount of sheep. No. Where's the lost sheep? Where's the lost sheep? Do you know that Jesus is seeking you? Do you know that he's trying to draw your heart back to him? That he's really trying to reach you this morning and say that it's bad out there. The predators, you're not going to be able to deal with what's out there. As long as your conscience is still awake, as long as you can still say, I've not forgotten your commands, Jesus, come and seek me. And when they counted and found one missing, the Bible says that the shepherd went out and he found the sheep. Maybe, who knows? We don't know the whole story. Maybe, there were, maybe he had to fight off some predators. Maybe there was a wolf that he had to fight off, and he had to fight off some animal, and he gathered that bleeding sheep or that wounded sheep. The Bible says that he put it on his shoulders. You ever see those pictures of the good shepherd? Those paintings, those pictures of the good shepherd? Because sometimes you can't even walk. Sometimes he's got to carry you. Anybody ever here been in that situation before? You were so out of it. The Lord didn't just have to find you. He had to put you on his shoulders and get you back home. I say, let's go back home today. Let your hearts return close to Jesus. Just live in his presence. Let's not justify the fact that we've gone astray. Let's stop with our stories. Be a man. Be a woman. Say what the psalmist said. I've gone astray like a lost sheep. Some of you, maybe you were closer to God at 17 than you are today, and you've known about him your whole life. That Friend, that's not maturing. That's not growing, that's drifting, that's straying. And I believe the grace of God is here today to take us back in a moment that we can be intimate with him again, that there can be relationship with you, there can be passion again. This is good advice and godly advice that can transform your life. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those that give generously to this ministry. If you would like more information, please visit our website at landmarkapostolicchurch.net. But have a great day and God bless.